That's not good. I'm waiting for you to talk. Why are you? Why did you roll your eyes at me? Because he said quiet on set. Oh. <laughs> and I wanted to be defiant and say no, but then you started the music and I didn't want to ruin it. And I said that because you were talking and I was trying to start the show. I wasn't talking. I was breathing. No. That's not allowed. No, no breathing here. I was no, no breathing on the set. I was mouth breathing. <laughs> oh, how you doing, John? Oh, we talked about it. I'm tired. Another, I'm always tired. Another two weeks in paradise since another we last met. Two weeks met. in paradise. <laughs> I'm tired too. Although I will say, I mean, I'm tired of some things, but just tired, tired wise. Like I said, I'm I'm sleeping a lot better now, so that's always good. I wonder how much of it is just my own, my own doing. Oh, it it usually is, isn't it? <clears throat> just in general. Yeah, you know, the kids been busy, so their schedule is my schedule, and yeah, I'm always running and going and making up time here and there because I steal time from my day to do something for the kids, and then I have to make up for it in the evening, and it's just. Just this never-ending cycle. Yep. By the way, uh, everyone will have to pardon if I just keep making noises every time I have to raise my chair back up because it just about every three minutes it sinks to the bottom. <laughs> you need a new chair. No, I, I, did, I, I bought a new hydraulic cylinder for it. It's over there. I just have to put it on. Okay. But I, I have also that's what that sledgehammers or the mallets, big mallets for. Have you ever seen it over sitting over there? Oh. Because you have to bang off the old one. Um, and I don't want to do that during office hours because it's louder. Right? Yeah, you shouldn't bang off during office hours. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like sound advice. But <laughs> Especially not on uh, Zoom calls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. Oh, by the way, I'm going to need you to just do some um, gut checking of, of uh, like EQ levels and stuff because I finally went to the doctor, to the ENT for mm -hmm. my because I have ringing in my ear that just gets worse and worse and worse. It's constant ringing. You're falling apart. I know I am. Like in so many ways, it's, I'm, I won't even get into all the other ways I'm falling apart. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so he puts me through, the, you know, he does all this examination and puts me through this crazy test in the sound booth and all kinds of stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to need to get, um, get you go get an MRI of like this, this part of your head over here just because I want to make sure there's no nerve damage on that on that ear. And... But then, and I was like, okay, because I've just gotten two MRIs in the past month. I mean, I'm going to end up spending $6,000 at this MRI place. Wow. Um, but and I'm, I'm about to walk out. He's like, well, and for, as far as I'm ringing, there's nothing we, can, nothing we can do about that. I was like, wait, what? That's like the only reason I came in here. You did all these tests and you want me to go do more tests? But the pre-conclusion, pre predetermined conclusion is that there's nothing that can be done. I mean, I don't, this is, this is the, State of uh, healthcare nowadays, yeah. I guess. Get you to spend a bunch of money and then tell you there's nothing they can do about it. That yeah, exactly. I mean, you go to the ENT, they're gonna just they're gonna run all the tests. That's yeah. what they do. I kind of felt that way whenever I did my sleep study. Like I, I have a feeling like they knew ahead of time they were gonna make me do a CPAP, which I don't use oh, yeah. anymore. But you don't use it? No, really. I didn't like it. Well, maybe that's why you're tired. Uh, maybe. Also, if you have apnea, I mean, you need to address that because yeah i know how to address it <clears throat> lose some damn weight well but because i was heavier when i started using it and then i lightened up and i was breathing better and since all this crap has happened not only just covid but my changing in job situation and all that kind of stuff yeah i just stopped working out well and i've gotten heavier again so if if you you know people that have apneas that don't take care of them that's when they end up with it, it messes your heart up and you'll end up having to have like a, a pacemaker and stuff yeah it's 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 serious I didn't realize because we're working with those DPs, electro physicians, whatever mm -hmm. they're called, um, uh, like 70% of their patients for implanted, implanted cardiac devices are because they didn't take care of sleep apnea. Mm. I never knew that. I never knew that sleep apnea caused it. Ca what happens is because when you try to breathe in and everything up here is sealed up, it creates a negative pressure on your, you know, thoracic cavity. Mm-hmm. And your heart works to counteract that. And over time, it like enlarges one side of your heart and like your valves and everything kind of shift to, it's messed up, man. It's like, you don't want to mess with that. <laughs> anyway. That was a real mood killer. Back, back I know, sorry. I'm, you're but just like, basically my, saying I'm going to die. Back to my point though. In this ear, yeah. I have severe loss in the higher frequency ranges, which is why I can't hear people in restaurants and bars anymore. 
That's just old age, though, isn't it? No, it's they. They kept asking me, "Did you you hunt?" They were like, "This is pretty bad." Oh, it's that trumpet playing. I th- I think I know it. I think it has guns, actually. Mm. Uh, but listen, not wearing your earmuffs at the shooting range. Uh, actually, I can try. I think I can trace it to a about a fifteen minute period about fifteen years ago. Where, where I permanently were, damaged my where you my thought you were ear. tough and didn't wear your protection stuff. Yep, yep, that's what it is. I thought it was tough. Why do you say it like that? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so if, if you start, I mean, I it's like I need I'm going to need like feedback on EQ and stuff because like, I can't. What sounds good to me is probably not right. Mm. So let me know if uh, things. I've always thought you had the better ear that, out of the two of us. But if I hear something, I that must that must be this really bad then. Anyway. Anyway. Let's get on to some business, John. No, I thought that was our business, being old people and complaining yeah. about our, our gripes. Yeah, that's why That's why people listen to this podcast. People listen? All, all three of them, yeah. People listen? I don't think they do. <laughs> uh, well, see, I've got a couple of news things. Um, and there was some talk in, the, in our Slack team about this, but I, I, didn't, I didn't have a chance to dig into it. But I did see the blog post about um, Salesforce did an update. Um, just on their open sourcing process of the of the CLI. Mm. So they're making a lot of progress, but they, I mean, man, it's just, I, I think there's this, I don't know, it's just one of those things that, you know, when you build, when you, you know, you build a first version of something, I mean, it's, it, you know, it was very, it sounds like it was very um, monolithic and, you know, of course, it's, the version one of everything is basically a throwaway. You're gonna you're gonna want to unless it, unless it just dies. You know you're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna want to completely re-architect and build it because there are so many things you now know about the problem that you didn't know about the problem when you built it. Sure. Um, and plus, they ha- now have the goal of they want it to be open source and like, well, if we're gonna open source it, let's make sure that it's it's actually useful, like it's usable, like it's um, the architecture. You know, the parts that need to be reused. You know, are reusable in a way that's useful at, at the right level of granularity, you know. And so they've, it's not just open sourcing, it's also just breaking this thing apart. Mm, and so yeah. it sounds like, I mean, I haven't done any like analysis, but I mean, just, they you know, they, they kind of documented all the different parts they've broken these things into. And it sounds like they're doing a good job of it, but um, yeah, made a lot of progress. They, they actually created a separate GitHub organization. They broke off from the Force.com organization. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a Salesforce CLI organization now, and then it's full of a bunch of repos because they've broken again. They've broken this thing up into lots of different repos, lots of different components. Just I to make look it, into that. Yeah. Well, part of the other part of the initiative is I think they're trying to get a, a lot of the other teams at Salesforce mm-hmm. to build their stuff on this. And in order to do that, it's got to be you know architecturally sound and again at the, at the right level of abstraction or granularity or however you want to think about it. But sure. So that's just a ton of work, I'm sure. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine. But and I wonder, hmm. again, these are, these are the kinds of things you need because I've been I've been thinking, you know, like if if I ever did, you know, like back to the whole continuous integration and just really getting deploy de- deployments that are somewhat sane mm-hmm. in the Salesforce world. Um. Uh, yeah, because I think of the, the tooling I've used in the past, which is which was okay. I mean, it solved a lot of problems, but still, there's just so many problems. Um, but I thought, you know, God, if I if I wanted to kind of roll my own, like I really don't want. I mean, if if you also at the same time have to kind of just hand code all of the things that need to be done, whether it's the you know usage of the metadata API and loading data and just all kinds, all that, all whatever, all this kind of stuff, seed data and different things. Um, then that's just a ton of work, but you know. And again, I haven't, I haven't really spent much time digging into the what they what they're doing with the CLI. But if if that's a bunch of like highly reusable stuff, especially if it's reusable not not through the the command line interface, but through an application programming interface, which I think is part of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like they're because a lot of the stuff that if you wanted to use the functionality of the CLI, you literally had to like you know shell out and call the C the, the actual. You had to run a command in a shell, right? And I think part of what they're doing here is they're making this all this functionality available as APIs, and then the and then the CLI just becomes another client of the API. The CLI depends on the APIs, but the APIs is where all the real work's done. So if you wanted to write yourself a, you know, a node based deployment service tool thingy, 
you can just consume you can just consume these ALIs that they're these guys are creating now, guys and gals. Yeah. I mean I think that's the ideal situation. I think it's a good way to go. Yeah. But then you've also got and again still still haven't dug into the cumulus CI thing. I'm hoping you're gonna actually... that, that's actually my goal for this next week because I I mentioned to you that I've just been busy with kids stuff and everything. So this next week I'll have because the kids will be on spring break, I'll have a lot more time to just focus on my work and some of the things that I've been needing to get to, especially after hours, because that's the only time I can really focus on it. And it's not something that I can just kind of do a little bit here and there. It's kind of like this big bang thing that I have to kind of just go through yeah, and test and really kind of focus on. So it's, it, I need some dedicated time. And with my kids' schedules, it hasn't been possible. But we've also talked about, about having those guys on the show. So we do need to work on that and maybe for this next episode or the next half or the one after have that discussion. Yeah. I just I think they can provide us a lot of the insights onto why they created what they created and, you know, where it's going to be given all the changes in the tooling. Yeah. I'd like to take a look at it. Um, because I want that to be, I, I want to be prepared at least, mm -hmm. you know, have my bearings and know what questions I, I would have, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, that would be good. I would enjoy yeah. that. Uh, I meant to, tell you this or talk about i don't know if I've, i don't know if this i think this has happened since the last time we talked but uh just completely switching gears here have you do you use overcast right as your podcast app mm -hmm. do you use the watch app with it no so it got a totally new watch app oh really and it's funny how you can just tell so before i think i think it was on the whatever the legacy like watch os one kind of kit api was or whatever mm -hmm. and that you know the apps there weren't really real they were like almost like dumb terminals to your phone and, and there was a lot of limitations as, as third-party app developers yeah i can tell you why i didn't use it and that's because i couldn't get it to sync my audio very well it would take an hour or so just to because it would try to download it on here it wouldn't ever stream it or anything from oh, here see i never actually never sync anything to my watch i just use the i've always used the app just for like playback control and stuff like pausing. That's what I ended up having to do because what I was trying to do was load up my podcast onto my watch so I wouldn't have to carry my phone on a walk or okay. bike or something. Yep. But it just I, didn't work out that okay. way. So I think I think that part has been completely redone as well. But anyway, I was going to say is um, you can tell just and I don't, I don't know how to explain this, just the way that the app looks and the way that it responds to interaction. Mm -hmm. um, you can tell that it's using like whatever the the newer system is and it's, it's an actual app running on your watch oh so actual apps running on actual hardware it's just it's so it's much more thing. responsive <laughs> i mean there's there are some things that are a little wonky like i've noticed that the the watch will unload this app more aggressively and mm -hmm. so like when you go to the app or if you kind of do the whatever the app switcher to get back to the app sometimes it has to it takes a, it's got the spinning icon for a second or two to, to get actually reload it back into memory mm-hmm and there's some other quirks i've found but i mean it's it's the i think it's on the first release of that whole new watch app now so i'm sure there's bug fixes and stuff to come but it's way better it's cool yeah i'm no, little things in life but i'm pretty excited about it <laughs> sometimes the little things it just makes life better yeah well john what was on your uh i know you said you had some items yeah a few us. things i mean there's a few new th news things that i was going to bring up and then there's a few discussions that i wanted to get into um one of them was and i lost the link i don't know where, what i did with it but uh I was only going to read the headline anyways, because I wasn't going to pay San Francisco Chronicles subscription fee. But apparently, there's the rumor that uh, Salesforce is scaling back their lease on the tower. I don't know what that means. Of I mean, course, we've heard that they're going to have more remote access, but I don't think they're going to want to give up the signage on the building. So I'm sure they'll have, still have a significant investment on all the towers around the world. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea you know, what their leases are and how long-term. I mean, usually, like... Like when you do an office lease, the size that Salesforce is, I mean, usually those are like fifteen-year leases. Um, maybe, maybe they have some shorter ones, and and I don't know when they're what what point they are in their in their lease term, you know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I'm, I think I think all companies are going to be scaling back their office leases. Yeah, I mean, why would you not? Yeah, but I mean, Salesforce, yeah, they can keep naming rights. I mean, it's just that's just something you pay for. Yeah, it's separate. You know? Yeah. I mean, you could have one office and have the have the name of the building on there. I was gonna say that that's property by property in terms of what their rules are for actually putting the name on. I mean, the the biggest rule is can you write us the check? Yeah. The second biggest rule is well, <laughs> are you actually gonna have any offices here? I mean, at least get a floor or two or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I meant to mention this last time when we when we when we said when we talked about that news report, and I'm actually I feel for a lot of the Salesforce employees out there who are stuck in these kind of WeWork places or these offices that have these these phone booths. Yeah. 
because they're tiny little things. They're never ventilated very well. I mean, that's the that's the yeah. big thing. If you ever go to to problem. a co working space and they they show you all these little phone booths thing where you can take a call and you're like, oh, that's cool. I can have a nice private conversation. Go in there and sit in them or, or ask them what the ventilation is like because that's the biggest thing. But these poor guys, when I was in Dallas, I would see the same people in there all day because they would be on phone on the phone all day and they'd be sitting in these tiny booths. They didn't. Yeah. They did nothing but sit in those booths. Yeah. And I really felt for those people. So I hope those kind of people are are at home in their home offices where they're a little bit more comfortable and and on the phone instead of in those tiny little booths. Those, those, those we work with are incredibly small. Yeah. I mean. They don't want you to be comfortable in there. Yeah, I don't think they do. I think that I, I heard the strategy was that, that they weren't so comfortable, so you wouldn't be, be in them all day. Yeah. But at the same time. I think that is the strategy. Yeah. People do need to be I in know, them all day. I know. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, because, you know, it's, you, it, at one of these co-working places, I mean, it, in the public areas, I mean, it's like people think it's, it's, a, it's a bar or a playground or something. It's like, no, I guess it's a public area, but people are still trying to get work done here. Yeah. But they just, people have no consideration. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys one here mm-hmm. that Sarah does, um, they have private rooms, but they're about four times the size of the WeWork booths. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, and you don't, nice. you don't have to reserve them or pay for them. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Just as long as people don't monopolize those that kind of things, I guess it's fine, but yeah. I mean, that was just one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, the other thing is we're starting to get rumors about Brett Taylor possibly being the new CEO. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the source of that? Something um, legitimate. I read about it from. Let's see where did I originally see it. I think it was like a San Francisco Chronicle thing too. But then it got posted at San Francisco Business Times, so I couldn't really read it. I think I read it there, and it got behind the paywall. And then someone reposted it on our our thing from the street, and it mentioned that as well. Mm. I, I think what's interesting is it, based on the rumor, it doesn't look like Benioff is going to go for the co CEO thing again. It sounds like he'll just. Remain the the chief, uh, exec. Uh, not the chief. Um, yeah, the chief. What is it? I can't find words. I don't know. What are you talking about? Still president, not CEO. Still chief of the board. COO. Who are you talking about? Benioff. Chairman. Chairman. There you go. I couldn't find that okay. damn word <laughs> in my head. Um. So the rumor is that that uh, they're grooming. Brett Taylor to to take on the CEO role. So yeah, which I mean, you can see evidence of. I mean, he's very prominent in all the the latest uh, kind of Dreamforce stuff. We'll say and all those videos and everything. I mean, he's he's front and center. He's it's, probably on there more than Benioff is. Would you describe Brett Taylor as charismatic? I don't know about charismatic, but he's likable. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like him. His interaction with um, oh, I forgot her name too. She became the new chief marketing officer or something. I forgot her name. Sarah Franklin? Yeah. Their, their interaction seems genuine. Like, and, and they're, like they're not pretending to be... on stage stuff? Yeah. That's the only place I've ever yeah, seen them. Yeah. It's not like I hang out with them. At this but level, it, these people are basically actors, John. That's their Maybe, job. but I've job. seen actors and I've seen... I mean... Uh, but yes, you have. <laughs> on Salesforce stage. <laughs> well, their their acting seems genuine. So they seem to have a general, gen, genuine yeah. good rapport and things. Right. And that, that kind of endears me to makes me feel like they're likable. Like, I, yeah, sure, I'd like to go have a beer mm-hmm. with you type okay. thing. Maybe yeah. I'm easily influenced. I don't I, know. I don't think I, I just don't think I've seen Brett that much. I guess, but I, I yeah. You really haven't? Well, because I, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I've seen far less of Parker. Yeah, and you know, he doesn't like I because ch- I was check, trying to see who was who on Salesforce recently since seeing this this kind of thing. Um, and I noticed that he doesn't have an official title. He just has founder. Who Parker? But, okay, on the Salesforce website, founder. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it still describes him as being kind of the innovator and in charge of all the, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. he's just listed as founder. He doesn't have like an official title or role that I can see. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's on the board, but he's just listed as founder. So I'm not sure what he does. That's these good. Days. Just less responsibilities. So yeah, well, cash, cash that stock every, every uh, month and, right. you know, bank on it. Um, that was, a, that was a bit about that. Um, I wanted to talk about the uh, GitHub. So have you, have you heard about the, the uh the the crawl that they do on github public repositories to kind of look for secrets and stuff they call it the secret sprawl github does it or because i know some... get guardian okay. is where i got this yeah. article yeah. from but yeah they're the ones that did that and they they're saying a 20 percent year-over-year increase in the number of secrets 
uh, in GitHub. So what, what they do is they kind of go through and crawl these public repositories and they look for things like API keys or passwords or things like that. And they're finding an uptick in those. Um, I, I don't know if this is bad or not, um, but I'll like if I want to create a test like a, a, a bug reproducer case for something mm-hmm. um, I'll, that involves Salesforce, I will spin up a dev org mm-hmm. and then create the test test case, whatever, but in, put in a repository, push it up on GitHub and just share it with the right people, just publicly. It's a dev org. This is just disposable. I don't care. <laughs> I just put the credentials right in it because I want them to be able to run it easily. You, you, does that actually work though? Because anytime I've why, why would it not work? Who's the right people? Are you talking about Salesforce support? Or are you talking about... Oh, oh sure. Or okay. or others, but usually it's not... No, I'm not talking about Salesforce support. Okay. I, I try to never deal with Salesforce support. Yeah. That's the only reason I was chuckling, because if it was Salesforce support, I mean, I've, no, no, I've no. gone through the nth degree of preparing reproducible scenarios, creating dev orgs and, and everything, only to have them go, well, how, how do I reproduce this? I'm like... Right here, the yeah. Cl- I simplified I the class. I reproduced it, and you're still asking me. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, don't know how to help you. You're uh, just reading their script, John. Yeah, yeah. Well, the so my um, well, sorry. What were you in the middle of? Uh, security on GitHub. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Any conclusions or anything? no? I was oh, just okay. I was just wondering yeah. how you felt about that because I I can certainly oh, it's, see it's as as we start using more and more of these repos and we, we're more distributed than ever. Um, I I I almost wonder if things are going to start coming back into private clouds more and more. Like the next big trend will be private clouds versus public clouds, just because of how easy it is to accidentally leak some private oh, information. Yeah, I mean, just just someone doesn't put the right things in their Git ignore file, and the next thing you know, you're pushing up. Um, you know, yeah. your, your, your file that has passwords and stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think thankfully on the Salesforce side, we're a little bit more okay with that. Cause we don't really, the, fu- we don't really have a file with credentials. Who's, who's we? We Salesforce developers. I don't know. Salesforce developers. Okay. I mean, we use tools like DX and things like that. It's rare that we have a public file sitting there that's got the credentials saved in it. But if we're doing integration work and stuff, we might have a config file with. with so what is DX? When you authenticate, D- DX is almost always storing OAuth tokens, right? Yeah. But see, those are stored somewhere. Yeah, those are stored somewhere. Yes, yes, yeah. they are. And then, like, if you have like a continuous integration process that runs, how are you supplying it with your? I mean, usually it's about like via an environment variable, so it's right. a common thing. Yeah. I'd imagine that's, I mean, that's the only way you'd be doing it, hopefully. Yeah. Or some other, whatever your, whatever service you're using, whatever their safest way to provide, Yeah. you know, secrets. Yeah, I mean, in Salesforce, you have named credentials. So that's, a, that's a good place to store your credentials versus some hard-coded config. You your hand in front of your mouth. You can't hear me, but they can. No, I can't. <laughs> I'm listening through headphones. <laughs> I could hear myself just fine. Even with scratching your my head, mouth. your maybe. <laughs> I'm fine. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like we're a little bit more secure on the Salesforce side, especially since we have that and we have, uh, well, they're about to turn on multi-factor authentication, which is a bit oh, annoying. Let's talk about that. It's a bit annoying. Well, because, okay, <laughs> someone asked um, in the Slack yesterday, mm-hmm. um, for all the you people out there who are like, let's say you work for a consulting company and you've, you, you, let's say you use, you know, one password to, um, to share Salesforce credentials out to the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe you have, um, like for each client you have, maybe you have a, a login into their user account in their, in their Salesforce org. Uh, and, and, but multiple people at your consulting company need to l- be able to log into that org. So usually just, you know, you share it in one password. Well, how does that work with multi, when they require multi-factor? So I haven't used it, but, but one password does have a multi, it has support for it. So it'll generate, you, you can connect it to your, what is it called? the the two factor authentication service or whatever that that protocol or whatever you can connect it to that and it'll generate tokens just like you would with like any other kind of auth, third party auth tool so it has that capability i just yeah so i actually use that capability of one password but i don't know i've never tried sharing that with other people does it work does it work across that that that, that i don't know yeah. i know the features there i'd assume that 
And again, I'm assuming my thought is that it would work the same as sharing passwords. As long as yeah. you have access to that vault and you have access to that password, then you should have access to the the token that gets generated. Yeah, because uh, what are those called? So OT, it's like OTPs, one-time, yeah, one-time password. I forget. There's like yeah. several, a few different protocols involved in that. Um, I wonder if that's FIDO2 based. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but it, UTF, whatever it's called. It It is annoying, but um, I mean, it's... But like if we, like if I, you know, well, what are the other ones? Like Authy and like Google Authenticator. And I think, doesn't Salesforce even have an Authenticator app? They do. Yeah. Which is pretty nifty. They fixed the watch thing at some point and it started working again. So if I have, um, if I'm using a Salesforce Authenticator app with my Salesforce account, can I share my, can you log into my Salesforce account too? If I want you to log into my Salesforce account and we, and both of us can have our Salesforce Authenticator set up with this user account? sharing the same user account yeah i think we'd both get the notifications i guess we would, okay I've, I've, just, I've never tried that so yeah, i've never tried it either sharing accounts is bad jeremy well it's not for the purpose of like <laughs> know. you know what i mean it, it's just it's not like everyday use it's just as a partner we usually get mm-hmm. one account to do the config and yeah it, it's not like we're act- actively trying to use right i mean we don't all have our own sales and reports and dashboards and stuff like that you know yeah it's Although there are some clients that go, can't we just use one post, <laughs> one, one username? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. No. Well, so the, my most exciting news recently has been, I saw this on, this on Twitter, that um, with sales, what, are they, what does Salesforce call Evergreen now? Is it just functions? Functions. Functions. Okay. So they're going to support Java as one of the languages. And I was like, oh, well, if you're supporting Java, do you support any, any JVM language such as Kotlin? And the answer was, I think, yes. Hmm. That could be interesting. So that's really exciting. I haven't heard anything about functions, and I was wondering about bringing it up because I hadn't heard anything about it. I wish I had a link to that Twitter activity because uh, I feel like they were talking about when it's going to be more available. Let's see. Let me look at my notifications here. Here we go. I don't know how to, I don't know how to use Twitter. That's my problem. Okay. You still use Twitter? Mm. So the... Uh, I thought... Hmm, I'm not finding it. The current plan is to make the Java SDK friendly for mainstream Java languages. I can't promise all idioms and all JVM languages will transfer, but we're trying to get as many as possible. Hmm. But I don't see the... I thought they were talking about when this is going to be GA'd, but I guess not. Anyway. I mean, it's not even... Is it? Can you even use it yet? Does anyone have access to it? I thought it was still in pilot. Yeah, it is in pilot. Private, okay. Either yeah. pilot or private beta or something like that. Like us normies don't have access to it. Well, I ain't nobody got time for that, John. I got real stuff to build every day. I feel like, I mean, I would love to use it, but I feel like I would have to invent a reason to use it right now. I don't, I don't. Oh, there's. Well, I, I, I know there's use cases for it just yeah. for my workload right now. Oh, I don't have a reason to use it. Yeah. Um, I have in the past had reasons to want to use something like that, but. Right now, my current workload doesn't doesn't demand it. So I mean, assuming that you know it's got good developer aesthetics and it it does what it needs to do, and the and the licensing is good, aka free would be nice, at least for a certain tier. You know, mm-hmm. I hope there's like a free tier part of it. Um, but I will be using lots of functions. I'm sure. I like functions. Do you? <laughs> I wonder if it'll. I wonder how aggressive they'll be with new languages, or if they'll just they'll just try to stick with tried and true languages, uh, well established languages. I guess not, because if it's too if it's too kind of designer languagey, then things will pop and drop off, and then they'll have to support all this stuff. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna just throw everything at the wall. Yeah. I, that's not the way Salesforce works. No, I just mean in general, because I mean you'll get an influx of demand for oh, let's do Kotlin. We got to do this. It's a new, it's the new thing. We got to yeah. do this. We got to do that. Well, the reason I asked about Kotlin because I'm thinking, well, first of all, that'd be great. But also, I mean, if you're adding support for things that are running on the JVM, then you know any any language that compiles down to Java bytecode theoretically would would work. And it, 
and I'm thinking that, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how any of this is implemented, but maybe they don't even have to have explicit support. Maybe they don't even care what language you use to compile down to bytecode, but as long as you, you know, you're at the end of the day, you're providing, your, you know, a, a jar with dot .class files or something, then it doesn't, mm. it doesn't matter where they came from. Yeah. Because that makes sense. Did you hear about this neat language? It's called MOVA. MOVA? Mm-hmm. Multiple object versionless architecture. It's supposed to be like a, like a, just an awesome language. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's touted as the, as the language to make web 3.0 possible. And it's supposed to be the first open source cloud first language as a service. But what about cloud 3.0? I don't know. Remember that? <laughs> huh? I, I'm only using that to make it up. It's a made up language. <laughs> so MOVA. It's a fake language that this guy created. He created an official kind of uh, book cover for it. And he basically uses it as a way to filter out uh, all these companies that, that will throw uh, um, resumes at them. So, that, you know, the typical O'Reilly's got an animal cover and things like that. So yeah. he created a fake language cover and called it MOVA. Hmm. I thought it was funny. It reminded me, and I think I've told the story before, but it reminded me when I was a kid, we had this, this friend of ours that we knew, my brother. and he would. He had to know about everything. If you, came, if you said, hey, have you seen this new movie? Have you seen this new thing? Have you played this new game? He would always act like he knew it and played it and knew everything about it. And so we came up with this, this game that we called Source. And we made up all these features about it and all these things about it. And we just casually talked about it. And sure enough, he jumped right in and says, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I know about that. I played it. I almost beat it. And I'm like, yeah. dude, we made yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... But it's sad that we're getting to the, st to the point where, because of all this kind of resume farming places and everything, that you, you kind of have to start putting gotchas. It's, it's almost like web forms. You have, like, hidden questions and things like that to try to, like, if a bot kind of responds to that question, you know, to reject it type stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're getting to that point with resumes as well. I want to, um, at some point, I think it would be fun to talk about on the show, but this, cause I've been wanting to work on this for a while, but just, uh, like, uh, almost a... Uh, um, a body of knowledge of like of a working you know developer and i have to be more specific either like you know web developer or enterprise you know software developer or whatever but like a day in the life no no like a body of knowledge like the things you should know yeah mm. i started a list and it's actually i mean it's, it's pretty huge it's like wow you kind of got to know a lot of stuff nowadays even just web development it's ridiculous yeah, I, but I think that's how a lot of these kind of job requirements end up so overblown because they put everything they could think of on that list of what a developer should be able to do. And I think there's a small percentage that can do all of that. You know, it goes back to my discussion last time about the, kind of this, the full stack developer. How I, I'm, I'm thinking it's, I'm forming well, the opinion that it's about to be, a, that it's really unfair. Well, that's, yeah, but full stack is a whole different thing. But I mean, just like any, like, just but if you read job requirements, stack. if you read job requirements, oh, you have to know SQL and you have to know server technology. You have to know yeah. JavaScript and you have to know HTML and you have to know Java and you have to know C sharp and you have to know wow. all these things, you know, CSS and styling and designing. And you have to know how to use XD and Photoshop. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm just a developer. Yeah. But that's, that's, I mean, is that not full stack? That's like, well, when you full throw stack stack, yeah, I mean, that's triple stack. I don't know what yeah. that is. Like I wouldn't expect someone to be like a, a a data engineer and also a web developer. That that's what I'm saying. You have to be specific about what kind of developer you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And there's you know these people that expect a develop you know a one person to be able to perform you know 15 different roles. That that's un yeah. That's not you know what we should do. We should put together that list and we should put it out like as a survey and have people respond to their competency in each one of those, and we can get some feedback on that. We can kind of can do our annual good day, sir. Is this what it means to be a developer survey? <laughs> yeah. What's the, um, what is the new, uh, you know, I don't know, several years ago, Webpack kind of took over as the, mm. you know, front end compiler, yeah. whatever of choice. <laughs> There's a new one. A relatively new one that 
I keep it keeps hitting my feed. I can't think of the name of it right now. What it, what is it called, John? I can't think of anything. Anyway, but I feel like if you told me, I'd know it. Yeah, I forget. But anyway, it's but even that's sad that we have to compile yeah. our darn web pages now. Oh well, pff, that ship sailed a long time ago. Yeah. What is that called? Anyway, I'll have to find it. It's going to bug you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. While you're looking, I'm going to share my story of today. Um, trying to help our, some, some people on our team work out freaking why a user has access to a record. And I thought, oh, well, cool. I can use this new, the new uh, sharing button that Salesforce put back into Lightning. I don't have to go into Classic anymore. And I think they missed the boat on that UI because it, it's not very intuitive. I get that they probably built it for standard users who are going to share records, but I think that's probably like a 10% of the usage. I doubt users are really going in there and sharing records. It's mainly administrators going in and trying to figure out why someone has access to a record. Yeah. And the tooling for that is just not good. Um, You click on it and all you get is the ability to add shares. But if you have like sharing rules, you'll get like a little message that says, oh, and this includes two sharing rules. And it'll have a little edit link in the little description. And I'm talking about the new lightning feature of this. So you click on that and then you get the two sharing rules. And then you'll see a link that says view hierarchy. (laughs) And then you can go in and look at and view the hierarchy. It was just much simpler in classic because you could actually get there pretty simple from one screen. But now it's buried under all these different things. And then when you get there, you don't even get the why so to speak. Like the classic has that Y link and you can click on it and you can see all the different reasons they have the access to that. Yeah. Um, but in general, we found it, we found the reason that was because some permission set, one out of four that this user had assigned, um, had view all permissions on opportunities. Um, but we had to dig through profiles and then into the role hierarchy. And then we finally looked at the permission sets and then we had to go into each object of those permission sets. And I just... Doing that, I just realized just how bad the story is around managing security in Salesforce because you don't know when you're going to accidentally give someone access because you gave them a permission set. Yeah, and also didn't Salesforce? I mean, for the first time ever, they they now they're adding um, maybe this already maybe it already exists, but negative permissions. Right? Did you see that? That was a beta or pilot thing. I don't think they oh, officially released okay. it, but I remember them coming out with it. And at the time, I thought that would be kind of cool. But dangerous. So I'm hoping they decided not to implement it because I, I just I don't see that working out very well because it'll be even harder to find out why someone does not have access oh. to something versus someone else. It's like a 12 page calculus problem to, to determine if some, yeah. someone has access I mean, it's to getting something. To, I mean, I like the idea that we have profiles and I like the idea that we have permission sets, but it does mean that we have to go to so many different places to check on permissions. And even with the new profile editor that, that they have, being able to see all the permissions or being able to get to the right permissions or see what you're looking for, it's just not a good UI for it. We really need a better UI for that. But I don't, I, don't, I doubt there's money in R&D to, to improve that. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's up to us to start building stuff. I mean, we do have the ability to query the object and stuff and see, but I'm not sure how much detail that actually gives us. But it might be might be time for the community to take that on because I don't think Salesforce is going to address it. Well, John, thank you for for that story. While I while I looked up, <laughs> I was looking it? for it's ES Build. Okay, yeah, I've heard of it. Okay, yeah. I'm just going to read like the first comment here. ES Build has flipped the JavaScript community on its head, not only as an impressive JavaScript bundler, but through all the next gen tooling ES Build is powering. For example, you can now speed up your Webpack build with ESBuild by replacing Babel Loader, TS Loader, Terser. Okay. Uh, oh, anyway, I guess the guy that created it is the CTO at Figma. That's pretty crazy. Hmm. Yeah, Figma's getting pretty popular these days. Let's see. This guy says, I switched my pet project of about 15,000 lines of code from Webpack to eBuild and reduce the build time from 30 seconds to 2 seconds. <laughs> the trickiest part was to make Tailwind work. I used to do that via post-CSS plugin, but just running that plugin even without Webpack takes 15 seconds. Finally, with some modifications in my CSS, I made it work and purged the unused styles just by using purge CSS API manually. 
I need, I need, I need Kramer's. They have no idea. That's what I need. Whenever you said, cut our thirty seconds down to two seconds. You need no idea. Yeah. Why is that? Because they have no idea how long it takes to compile something on Salesforce. Freaking click save in it. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. Yeah. He has no idea. That's right. They don't. I have no idea. <laughs> but I do have something to segue on that. Okay. Um, so I've been, I've been looking at a lot of different tools and a lot of JavaScript tools lately. And I came across, across, across this tool called Quoka. Quoka? I think that's how you pronounce it. You came across Quoka? A Quoka. Have you heard of it? It's not a joke. It's a real thing. <laughs> but it's an animal, actually. It's named after an animal. I had to do research on this. I was like, what the hell is a quokka? How do you spell that? Q-U-O-K-K-A. So our Australian friends out there will, will know what it is. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's basically a rat-like kangaroo. <laughs> a short-tailed scrub wallaby. Yeah. Yeah, it's, they're all part of the same what, marsupial family. Um, but yeah, it runs. It looks... It, well, the way it moves, it looks like a kangaroo hopping. Mm. Oh, it's but yeah, they're tiny like little rats. They're really cute. Yeah, they're, they look like they're very uh, social animals. They like to be fed and stuff. Huh. Probably really mean. Cute things, cute things are mean. Are they? I don't know. Sometimes. Oh, bunnies. Yeah, bunnies are mean. Yeah, because they poop all over my yard and tear up my grass. Well, they bite, too. Do they? Yes. Wow. I've never gotten in a fight with a rabbit before, so. I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, we knew a friend that used to make make things out of their fur. She wouldn't. She would eat them, but she, she would, would eat them. Yeah, but oh, she'd right. use all parts, including okay. their fur. Um, but so she had a lot of rabbits, and I remember picking up one, and I guess I picked it up wrong, squeezed too hard, uh, or something, yeah. and it bit me. Wow. Yeah. Well, where are you going with that? Oh, it's it's a nice little uh, JavaScript prototyping tool. So. Similar to your, your browser console, where you can kind of type JavaScript in and kind of run it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically a scratch pad for JavaScript, and it's, it's a plug-in interface. So you can plug it into Atom, you can plug it into Visual Studio Code, and you can plug it into uh, IntelliJ. Okay. And so I have it there. So it's basically, you create a, if we're in the IntelliJ world, just for example's sake, mm-hmm. I can create a JavaScript file. I can tell it to run that JavaScript file using the Quokka interface or plug-in. And it'll kind of read it and uh, let you to kind of real-time do outputs. So I could type in code, I can create objects, and I can have it inline tell me what the outputs are, or I can have it output it to the screen, and it'll give me a lot of information on it. It's, it is a, so there's a free community edition, there's a pro version that gives you a lot more uh, information about your JavaScript on it. But it's really just meant to just kind of basically play with JavaScript. Sit there and prototype it and type it out. I mean, you could accomplish this using your console browser or or sticking your JavaScript file into a page and having that page automatically refresh and spit out your output. I mean, there's things you can do to kind of accomplish the same thing, but uh, I thought it was a really nice tool that was pluggable in both Visual Studio Code and IntelliJ, so I thought I'd put it out there, but... Oh, TypeScript. Rapid, oh, yeah. rapid yeah. JavaScript prototyping in your editor. Yeah, it'll do TypeScript, too. I meant to mention that as well. I'm watching the video. Oh, should I let you watch? No, go ahead. <laughs> so that inspired me, and I remember how I've, I've been asking that we need like a local compiler for Salesforce. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe we don't need a local compiler for Salesforce. Maybe we just need a scratch pad for Salesforce or more specifically a scratch pad for Apex. And I think that would be enough. I think it could be, and again, this is me speaking, not knowing how tied in the Apex language is to whatever technologies they have on the server and whether or not it's possible to make it a smaller compilable thing. But most of the time when I need that kind of speed and performance, it's not because I'm writing code and I'm saving it and trying to run it in the environment. It's because I'm trying to build something, test something, work out an idea, and those kind of things where I think a tool like this scratch pad would be useful. You know, sometimes I want to build a bunch of interfaces and kind of put them through their paces to see if I've built the interfaces correctly or if I have the right methods and implemented mm-hmm. in things and that architecture works. Well, today I have to build that out, save it, compile it, and every time I make a change, save and compile, save and compile. If I could just have a scratch pad where I can do that kind of real-time locally, that would improve my performance quite a bit. Let me put my uh, software craftsmanship consultant hat on. All right. Well, if you were doing this right, (laughs) you would just write tests that execute your code. How was that? 
That was pretty good. Actually, this this project, I was, was I was trying to channel Bob Martin there. I don't think it was working very well. well I was I was going <laughs> to say this this Quoka product actually came from their other product, or I don't know if it's from scratch or at a fork, but it came off of Wallaby, which Wallaby is a real time JavaScript testing framework. No tool. So that 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 what you're talking about is Wallaby. It's like a whole family of. Uh, <laughs> Macropods or whatever they're called. Yeah. Oh, macropods. That's a word I learned today too in my research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently means Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. What do you think about the idea of having maybe not a true local compiled version of, of Apex, but maybe a scratch pad? It maybe. doesn't have to connect to the database or maybe even has a local database. All I really need is I need to be able to instantiate S objects and maybe run metadata commands and all that kind of stuff just locally just to kind of prototype something out. Yeah, I mean... And how much would that save Salesforce? If I'm sitting here prototyping and rapidly iterating, that's a thread I'm taking up on Salesforce every time I click save, trying to run something. Yeah, I don't think that's what's costing them so much money, though. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> trying to I'm trying to make this a thing. I'm trying to put out the pros. I think it's those signs on all these towers and the big parties <laughs> and everything. <clears throat> um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, think, I think you discover pretty quickly that most of the things you want to do in Apex actually do need to reach into something that's not running on your machine that's I mean, kind of my fear too yeah but at the same time i can't let go of the idea i feel like even today i, I open up a scratch pad and i write some classes but i want to be able to run them i mean when i was without power and internet that week i couldn't really do anything but there were things i wanted to kind of experiment with and and all that kind of stuff that i just couldn't do because i didn't have a local way of running it and even today, there's things that I'm building in my other environment, one of my dev environments where I'm, where I'm, it's basically my lab where I kind of experiment with things. And that process is slow uh, because I save things and I change things and I mess up things. And it would just be nice to have kind of that local real-time feedback on that stuff. Yeah. I feel like with things like Kubernetes nowadays, you could get an entire little mini, kind of like you can run Minikube on mm -hmm. your computer. You could run a whole a Salesforce pod on your computer. That would be interesting. I guarantee you Chris Peterson has a pod running on his laptop. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the idea I'm putting out there. A scratch pad for, for Apex. You guys let me know if, if that has any legs on it. I think it does have legs, John. Does it? I mean, can, uh, can Scott Wells not, basically, does he not have an Apex kind of runtime at this point? No, he's got a pretty good linter, I guess. Yeah. But it also has to go through the AP. It also has to go back to Salesforce to compile. I should have I should have played this when we were talking about Salesforce and their buildings in San Francisco. I guess we didn't really talk about San Francisco, but I, I saw this yesterday. This is uh, hang on, let me <laughs> let me cue this up. So this is called every single park hang in San Francisco. Like. People hanging out in a park. Oh, okay. Ready? Nope. Uh, how do I play? We're going remote. We're going remote. We're going remote. Oh, we're going fully remote. We're starting with a hybrid model, but I think we'll end up going fully remote. I've been getting really into low alcohol aperitifs. Oh, are those the new Allbirds? She went to Austin. He's in Miami. They're doing van life. I've been trying to close this key hire for months. Mm, that guy's naked. That valuation was actually hilarious. They don't even have any users. We matched on Hinge. We moderated a room together on Clubhouse. Oh, he DM'd me about that viral Twitter thread on the future work. Remember when Suvla was closed? That was tragic. I thought the IPO was kind of a bold move, but good for them. I am freezing, by the way. How does he have time to tweet that much? I'm so cold. I mean, they're an angel investor. I just feel like it's a weird time to start a new job. It is freezing. I'm so sad we can't do South by this year. Yeah, I'm in the dispo beta. Wait, you're not? Oh, they're raising us back. He can't make it. It's deal season. Sorry, I just have to send this one Slack. I get one more f***ing LinkedIn notification. Slack down for you. <laughs> Alex Toussaint. Serverless. BC Twitter. Test flight. Kubernetes. Substack. NFTs. Distributed workforce. I'll be curious to see what Salesforce does. I'm just building in public. Influencer economy. Creator economy. Fashion economy. Silicon Valley's not going anywhere. I don't think SF is over. I have been DMing with the mayor of Miami. We're going remote. We're going remote. Going <laughs> it's just missing digital. Ah, I don't know. Is that still a... Yeah, that's still a thing. That's, mm. that's the Web 3.0 is the digital. Gotta the go digital. Digital transformation. Digital Are we still transforming? I don't know. We're still doing stuff. I don't yeah. know what we're doing, but we're still doing stuff. Well... The uh, surprise mechanic, apparently. Because apparently these world tours are going to be surprises. Okay, I had two other things I want to get to. Um, Red Monk did their um, top 20 languages or whatever, top their language rankings. Uh, top oh, is that, that time thing. again? 
Yeah, I guess. Um, is the right apex on there? Or is it the other apex? No, it is. The Oracle apex. In fact, it's, I don't, I haven't, I didn't compare it to last year. Let me zoom in on this. It is, it's about, okay, so there's, there's two axes to this. It's kind of, it's like a, it's not a magic quadrant. It's its own thing. There's just two axes. One of them is popularity by rank on Stack Overflow. And the other axis is popularity rank on GitHub. Okay. <clears throat> by just number of projects that have Apex, right? Or whatever the language is. And Apex is kind of in the middle. I mean, actually, they're doing better on number of GitHub projects, not as good. Oh, yeah, not as good as popularity on Stack Overflow. That could be just because Salesforce has its own Stack Exchange. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of in the middle of the pack. It's, actually, it's next to Elm. That's pretty good. It's like, so here's the things that are around it. Smalltalk, Pascal, D, and Elm. They're all kind of in the same little neighborhood. So, I don't know. Hmm. But, let's see. They, so they number one. Well, let me show you this. Oh, I can't really show you this, can I? They did a, a top languages over time. And you can see, so JavaScript remains the number one language. And, and it has been, they started this in 2012. Mm-hmm. It was the top language. It, it dipped to number two a couple of times, like 2013, 2014. But it's been the top. Um, Java has the, the time, in fact, the, the times when JavaScript wasn't the top language, Java was the top language. And Java's now, in the past year or two, has slipped to third. So currently, here's our top languages. JavaScript, number one. Python, number two. Mm. Java, number three. and then. PHP, which is really steady. It's dropped a little bit. C Sharp, which has been really steady at, was this, fourth and fifth for a while. Uh, C++, still really strong. Then CSS, which, weird, that's a language? It's become a language, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean... I've been I, looking at all the, uh, a lot of new features and new new things, and they're, they're very function-like. You know, I think if it's not Turing-complete, it shouldn't be on this list. It might be at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, learning all kinds of new stuff that are in the latest CSS. Just looking at the graphs, the, the things that really have jumped up and grown a ton um, is TypeScript. So since tw- mid-2018, TypeScript has jumped from like 16th to 8th. Hmm. TypeScript is pretty sweet, man. Um, you got Ruby, which is, eh, it's kind of been falling in popularity. Then C. Uh... Swift had a big rise out of nowhere in like 2017, but it stayed steady at number 11 for a long time. R is getting more popular, so that's a statistics language. Yeah. Uh, it's, what, 12? Objective-C falling a little bit. It's probably because Swift is taking over for s- some stuff, right? Uh, and then Scala, you know, I don't know. Scala seems to be remaining somewhat of a, somewhat of a niche language in the, in the Java space. Although people will argue with me on that. Shell. That's a language? Shell? Didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't realize Shell created his own language. Good yeah. for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Go. Also Go not where? really growing since 2015. Bad joke, I know. PowerShell. Kotlin. Also, Kotlin's come out of nowhere, 2019, but it's, it's, it's at number 18 right now. I think Kotlin's going to really grow. I'm surprised it's not higher than that, though, considering that it's so dominant on Android development. But, um, yeah. Yeah, nothing too astounding or surprising about that list. Seems this graph is cool, though. Yeah. Have anything to say about any kind of new up-and-coming languages? Mm, probably, but that requires me to read words. Ah. Uh, they just talk about their process. Just wondering if MOVA was on there. Is that for real or not? I can't tell if you that was a joke or not. It's a joke. Okay. It's not my joke, but it's a joke. Right. I tell other people's jokes. Uh, anyway. Yeah, there's that's, I feel like that's one of the more realistic language. I mean, because, you know, what was the big one for a long time? The, that T-O-B yeah, index? So. Which, I'm not sure. That, I just don't, the methodology, this methodology makes a lot more sense to me. It's like, we're going to, hey, we're going to like, kind of average Stack Overflow pop- popularity with GitHub popularity. Just to try to just to try to get an idea of really how much languages are being used. Yeah. Another interesting thing well, that would kind be of puts like something like Salesforce at a disadvantage because there's no official GitHub tag for, for GitHub 
support for Apex. Oh, there is. Yeah, no. Look at your repos. You know how it, tell, it tells you what language. Like, I'll have repos that'll say Java, JavaScript, and Apex. It didn't know it was Apex. I don't think it did. Oh, Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah, go look at any of your repos with Apex. Right. I'll stand corrected. Then. Yeah, you are corrected. And you're not standing, though, so. You're lying. I am a liar. <laughs> the other thing was, uh, are you following, because you're more of a Microsoft guy than me, but this massive exchange, Microsoft exchange vulnerability that's just rocking oh, the world. I hear about that. Oh my gosh, well, you, know, you don't really, you don't do exchange these days, right? No. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, the, I keep, I kind of just look at the headlines, but it's getting worse and worse. I mean, there's like, apparently now thousands of companies that are, it's a, I guess it's a really bad vulnerability of some sort. Thousands of companies affected, like the government is like 100% like, Taking like I when looking at a quote here from the National Security Council for undertaking a whole of government response to address to assess and address the impact. Oh, wow. it was a governmentally worried. I guess the government runs a lot of Microsoft Exchange, which okay. well, since I didn't hear about it, what do you know what the vulnerability is? Um, vulnerability. Why can't I use words today? Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. A week after Microsoft announced, here we go. The U.S. has issued an emergency warning after Microsoft said it caught China hacking into its mail and calendar server program called Exchange. Mm. Um, let's see. Latest prompting, blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah, Cyber, Cyber Security and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. Well, is working on it. What was it, though? Um, hmm. Multiple occasions, blah, blah, blah. Is it something they have a patch for yet, or it's just well, I think I think issue? so, but they're they were worried like because the more news they make about it, the more like uh, I guess urgency they they give it and mm -hmm. communicating they try to do like it just drawing drawing more attention to it. <laughs> so so it's a race. It's like I mean you can patch. I think they I think almost possible there's a patch. You can patch. Uh, but Why would you have to just just put your exchange server on Azure and it's auto patch? Well, that's probably true, right? It's an opportunity to somewhere Azure. Email is a service. Yeah. Don't these things auto patch though, or do they not? I don't think they auto patch. Why would you not auto patch? If I, oh, I would, I wouldn't want it to auto patch. You're you of all people would don't auto patch. Why do you, you won't that? even upgrade your OS? You're like two OSs behind. Well, that's because it's that OS sucks, and there's a ton of stuff it <laughs> well, won't run. What if run. that patch sucks? Well, so security patches and like, you know, dot. Like point releases, those are different than you know massive operating system upgrades. Sure, but a patch could still break things just as it well, could, just it as could. easily as something and, else. And that's why you wouldn't have automatic patches. Yeah, I mean, I know, like you know, in again, in like uh, big software architecture type stuff, you know, you you're not gonna you don't apply patches in production, especially nowadays with with doc, with images and all this stuff. You know, you you might you might patch a few the systems in your cluster mm -hmm. and then see what happens that's like um it's kind of like uh, what are the different terms like blue green deployments or there's another there's another term for it's like a rolling deployment yeah so you start patching some and if the if the metrics are still looking good then you just let it continue patching things so that you know brings also you know, like you're bringing something down probably and what you're doing is you're replacing it with a new image so you what you do is you patch your image and then you slowly start rolling that image out to your different nodes yeah that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, a, a patch can totally break stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully it doesn't, but there's been, there's been some famous examples of patches just destroying things. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, um, I mean, that's happened to Apple several times too. It's like, don't install the latest update. <laughs> you know, have you ever seen those? <laughs> did that clip? Yeah, it did. <laughs> Sorry. That just like made it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. No, no, I didn't hear about that. Okay. No. Anyway, anyway. Patrick Exchange, people. Yep. Be secure. Um, I've been Watson, Watson is for sale. I heard about that. I think Watson was just a giant scam. Mm. Along with most of this AI stuff. Yeah. I, I can't defend it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's indefensible. The big data scam is a huge scam. You know, it's right up there with planting trees to to achieve net zero. That's real, John. Say <laughs> you don't want to get me started on that yeah. rant. You can. <laughs> uh, I pooped in the woods too. Is that good for emissions? I, mean, I fertilized the earth. Yeah, I think it is actually. Yeah. So 
Well, John, that's about all I got. Where are we doing on time? I mean, you got to get out of here, right? Yeah, I do have to get yeah. out of here. Well, we got an hour. I only had a few other things, but I don't, I don't want to get into them. <sighs> I do think there's Hold more discussions us, huh? to be had on flow. Um, I think there's a lot more discussions to be had on that. Oh, man. I, I, again, I'm, I'm so ignorant on it, but I had to pop into a flow the other day to mm-hmm. try to find out to why it was causing problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at this thing, trying to... And I'm just like, uh, and, it, and actually, I mean, it, honestly, it looks nice. It looks nice. Um, I feel like it's probably as well done as these types of tools can be. But, but I just, I just, I can't, I always have the thought of, I can't believe people would rather have to deal with this than, than text, than a, than a simple textual language. It's yeah. just, it's. The amount of stuff you have to click through to discover and find things, whereas, I mean, it's in, in, in an ID or a text editor, you just, you can kind of like command F through the whole thing really quick or grip through stuff or, you know, just all the tools. I'm like, I, yeah. I can't use any of these things. I have just, I'm, I'm manually like, clicking and expanding and, and then sub-expanding and sub-expanding, looking for things. And it's like, this is not, and I mean, sure, on small things, fine, right? But I can't imagine building, and people do, people build big things with, with these types of tools. I'm just like, wow, that's just... That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I we could definitely expand on that topic. I I uh, I, I have the, I'm the of the opinion it's probably going to create lead to to the creation of more interest in people being developers. Um, but there's a lot of just things around flow that I just think need to be be addressed. Yeah, you come for the flow and stay for the code, right? Yeah, maybe. But uh, I won't get into it now because that's a huge topic that I want to give it some time. Yeah. But that is something that's on my list that I do want to have a, a much larger discussion on. Um, but there, there's a lot of interest out there. There's a lot of people asking for help on flows and, and yeah. wanting wanting to understand what the best architecture is. And and even though we try to create some synonyms with with that and not the way we create Apex code, there's still features that just aren't supported that you just won't be able to do. So you can't really create that that direct line to it. Yeah. Um, and I also think Salesforce has done a really poor job at at preparing people for what flow really is and what what you have to be careful about. Um, before it was easy; you didn't have to worry about limits and things like that. But process builder came and flow came, and you do have to worry about that stuff. You're saying we need some best practices, John? I'm saying that that they flooded the world with a lot of admins who who are now told to be developers. What do they call them? Uh, what does Christy call them? Ad adminellopers or something like that? Adminellopers. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they they uh they flooded the market with everyone to be admins, and now they're expected to be coders. I'll, I'll use that term just to kind of create the differentiation there. Um, which for some is is a heavy lift, and for some it's exciting, and for some it's they don't want they don't want to touch it. <laughs> Learn to code is a scam. Of course, it's a scam. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love the buzzkill, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to be all negative about it. I, I think we do need to cover, you know, some of the best practices and, you know, Salesforce does have their architecture documentation that kind of help tries to give you some idea of when you should use what, you know, when you should use flow, when you should use code, when you should use what. It, it takes time for that stuff to develop. Yeah. You know, but anyway, okay, nice. well, um, I, uh, I, I wouldn't mind learning more about it um, just because it's part of my world and I have to deal with it. So. Yeah, we should have some discussions about that at some point. Yeah. All right, John. Well, uh, let's see. We've mentioned the Slack a few times. If you're not in the Slack yet, dear listener, then please join us for fun and helpful conversations. That's mm-hmm. at gooddaysirpodcast.com. You click on community. And uh, John will add you or some automated thing. Well, I'm not sure. Or uh, someone who's already in can nominate you or whatever it's called. Add you, I guess. Yeah, if it's me, I have to manually do it. Okay. And then uh, we have an email address where you can uh, correspond with us via Microsoft Exchange Technologies uh, at info at gooddayserpodcast.com. It's not an exchange, by the way. It's not. Uh, but you could send us through your exchange server. Just don't send your viruses along with it. Yeah. With your uh, Chinese hackers and stuff. But you can send us uh, questions and also topics for the show. I like those. And I don't think we get emails much anymore. No, we don't. Yeah. So let's get that going, folks. Shoot me a slogan on stickers, on. too. Get at us. Oh, yeah, stickers. I still have another batch going on. In fact, I'm oh, going to... that's why, because you're not sending them. Well, so people are like, there, hey, there's, there's a There are a handful of people who, because of... I, they didn't hit my... I have a query, a Gmail query, and oh, okay. it was coming in from a different address because of the other thing I don't understand. 
And so they're going to go out, and I'm going to actually, I will, I'm going to send an email out um, letting them know that their stickers are going. I probably should do this anyway, just so people know that we have sent it. And if so, if they don't see it, they need to let me know. Yeah. Especially because a lot of these are going to international places. And I'm not so super confident that all these different uh, delivery jurisdictions have all their handoffs and stuff happening correctly and or that you know spy agencies aren't tearing up in envelopes and looking through and you know <laughs> i mean i'm sending things to russia and like all these different places you know so i don't know i don't know how that works i just put the requisite number of stamps on it and send it in the mail <laughs> anyway but uh yeah we do take sticker requests we have lots of stickers so don't be shy um they're uh three inch in diameter round stickers to sh- to john's chagrin yeah, it's too uh, thick. Too thick. It's too much girth. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, we can send those. It's pretty easy. It's it's inexpensive, so don't feel bad. Uh, we use our their funding. I don't know. We our our mass cash. You uh, took it from petty cash. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> petty cash. Yeah. Anyway, what else, John? Just share us on the socials. You know. Uh, you leave reviews in your whatever your podcasting system is and five stars. Smash that bell. You gotta is smash the bell. bell. Yeah, I don't know. That's I think it's a YouTube thing, but I hear people say that all the time. <laughs> smash the like button. Anyway. It's all I got, man. I have to, I've, I'm clipping too much now, so you gotta cut me off. It's because you're yelling. I haven't even drank anything except water. It's, it's early in the day. It's an early recording today. Is that water or vodka? Well, only I know. Yeah. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir!